0: Oh, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Doing good. Hey, it's always uh, good to be back with you. I'll introduce myself real quick. Uh, my name is Andy Abramson, and a couple reasons why I'm here is, one, I am the son of Ken Abramson, the pastor, but also I am a supportive missionary of uh, Grand Rapids Free Church, and so it's always a pleasure to come and uh, be back with you to be a part of uh, experiencing Sunday morning with you, preach, be a part of uh, conversing and sharing about some of the things that we're doing. If you haven't um, been in the loop as far as who we are, what we do, we work with specifically leaders of college-age young adults, and uh, so right now we're working with uh, almost 50 different churches around the country. Um, reaching that specific demographic in that age group, and it's a huge blessing. Um, I think I preach, I was trying to remember this morning, I think I preached back in October or November, October, I think. And uh, when I was here last time, I alluded to just a couple shifts that were about to happen that I couldn't tell you about that we're going to make an announcement on in the coming weeks. So I want to update you on those. Um, a couple significant pivots, shifts for our ministry and for our family that are on the horizon. Uh, at the end, I'll give you some ways specifically that you can pray for us. Is The first one, the first shift that we're making, is uh, we are relocating our headquarters for Verge Ministries and our family to Austin, Texas this summer. And so we are in the process right now of getting the home ready, on the verge side, kind of packing up stuff, our offices, and getting them ready to relocate to Austin, Texas. Um, Really excited about that. Here's a couple reasons. Some people are asking, well, why Austin, Texas? Um, We really believe it's going to allow us a platform to continue to grow and build as a ministry. Um, We really believe that it's going to provide a space where we can continue to attract leaders, to build a team, to support our missionaries that are on the field working these different leaders and churches of college-age young adults. Um, it has a little bit of a West Coast feel. Anybody who's been to Austin before, it kind of feels a little bit Portlandish, Seattle, which is where I grew up, and so in the Midwest, the kind of West Coast town is always fun. Um, one of the other re- reasons for us is there's lots of actually college students in the Austin area. Um, which will give us an opportunity to continue in a local context to do work with that age group. In fact, um, uh, the home of the University of Texas, um, 56,000 college students, hook and horns, um, and the sixth largest junior college in the country, 69,000 at a junior college. Um, so that's Austin, lots of young people, and so there'll be an opportunity for us to do local ministry. You'll keep us central, and let's just be honest, it's going to get us out of the cold, right? <laughs> We've probably put that on the top of the list, but uh, we're excited. Our family is in transition right now, um, and I'll let you know about some ways that you can pray for us here in a minute. The second, so that's the first one we're relocating. The second one was actually renaming and rebranding Verge Ministries, Um, brand new name. Um, Back in 2010, when we launched Verge Ministries, there was another Verge network that launched in 2010 out of Austin, Texas. Um, And it's grown. It's become a significant conference ministry for pastors and leaders. And we, as we've grown, have kind of come into contact with, like, confusion be like, hey, we heard of you, and we're like, probably not. Um, He's like, hey, we heard Francis Chan speak at your conference. I'm like, no, you didn't. Um, So there's a little bit of confusion, and so um, because of that, we're going to rename and rebrand Verge Ministries in the midst of this. Um, We really believe it's going to give us an opportunity um, to really create a platform. Our goal in the next five years is to partner with 150 new churches. And um, so that's what we're praying for, and it's going to give us that platform to be able to do that. Here's some ways you can pray for us. Transition, like family transition. Um, my kids, you know, there's the highs and lows they'll tell you about. Some days, yeah, let's go. Some days it's like, oh, man, you know, like that the, the difficulty of those transitions. Pray for that. Um, pray for um, just settling in Austin uh, as we begin to kind of get settled down roots there. Um, find a home church, begin to kind of get plugged into local ministry. We'd love for you to pray for that as well. Um, pray for this rebranding project um, as we continue to raise funds. It's actually going to take us quite a bit of funds to do that. And so we're in the process of av- having people invest in that project to help us be able to do that. Um, and the last one is pray for some new staff conversations that are happening. So lots of great stuff happening with us. Um, just... Last of all, thank you for your guys' support, your prayers for us as a, as a mission family sending. I hope you feel that you're a part of what we're doing um, all over the the country. And what a huge thing for you to be a part of what we're doing. So we're going to spend a few minutes uh, continuing a series that you guys have been looking at over the last several weeks. But I'm going to pray for us first and then we'll jump in together. So God, just we pray that your presence would be in this space and in this place here this morning. God, we just believe that you have um, a message for us, you have words for us, and Holy Spirit, I just pray you continue to stir in our hearts that would cause us to shift, change, to mold, to become different people because of our time here together here this morning. And so we just pray your blessing, um, pray for my words, God, that they would be um, pointed and fruitful. And uh, God, that they would land where they need to land and fall where they need to fall. Um, so we just thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys have been in 1 John chapter 2. Um, in fact, you, there's this progression in 1 John chapter 2 where there's three different uh, groupings of people that uh, John talks about. <clears throat> there is the ch- the children which are the the young people in their faith then there are the young men and young women and you guys have been over the last several weeks talking about kind of this these these groupings of people and some of the characteristics and what it looks like to be a part. Well, I am the bridge into the third group of people today. And so, in the last one is there's this spiritual um, fathers and mothers that are mentioned in First John chapter two. And so, what I want to do for just a few minutes this morning is I want to talk about maturity as we bridge. Um, uh, over the next several weeks, you'll be looking at this topic of what it looks like to be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. Um, but we're going to take just a few minutes and talk about what it looks like to be mature. So let's read the passage together. Um, 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 12. You can see it on the screen there. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from... The beginning i'm writing to you young man because you have overcome the evil one i write to you children because you know the father i write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning i write to you young man because you are strong and the word of god abides in you and you have overcome the evil one and so you see in this those three groupings of different people i was thinking though uh, this week as I was preparing for this message as I was thinking about markers in our life, right? Just kind of markers. So it's kind of a big year for me, so I turned 40 um, in February. For some of you, that I'm, I'm ancient. For some of you, I'm super young. Okay, and so I realized that. But, it, you know, it's significant for me. It's it's interesting just kind of the mix of emotions that I have turning 40. I've been here 10 years. I moved to Minnesota when I was 30. We're going to be moving away when I was 40. So I've been kind of pondering this last decade and some of the things that have been happening, the highs and the lows and the, the joys and the frustrations. And so I was thinking about like the markers we create, you know. I'm like, okay, so maybe I feel a little bit more mature than I did when I was 20 um, but I, I think about like even society puts markers, right? So when you're 16, you get to drive, right? And so that's kind of an age marker that we've, or 21 that you're an adult and you can drink and, you know, like that, that's, that's another marker. Or we have different markers that we have on society. And I was thinking about like, are those legit markers? You know, are, are those legit markers of, of maturity? And I think, well, I'm 40, and uh, I think about, you know, I feel a little bit more mature, but man, I have a lot of 40-year-old friends who are stupid. <laughs> they they do some dumb stuff, right? And so I'm like, okay, so age isn't always like a marker of maturity. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Well, you know, maybe is it experience? Maybe experience is like, if you experience enough things, then you'll respond correctly. And I'm like, no, I have lots of friends who... The same make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You think they would learn, but they don't. And so sometimes experience really isn't a marker. And so I was thinking about even maturity here. Here's the definition of maturity. It's having or showing the mental and emotional qualities of an adult. Maturity often is used in a sense of the ability to handle responsibilities or behave in a manner appropriate to the circumstances which the person is faced with. So in this moment, there's a situation that is facing me. The question is, am I going to respond appropriately? And if I respond appropriately, whatever that is, in that moment, then I am mature. And if I don't respond appropriately, then I'm not mature. And so I think about like even those markers, right? Here's the deal, though, is we actually have those markers in the church. Like, we have certain markers and, and I, that define for us maturity. And sometimes they're legit, and sometimes they're not. And, and so I, I jotted down just a few that I've heard. Um, well, they have a degree, a Bible college degree. right? They went to Moody. And so that makes them mature. Or the number of years they've been a Christian. They've been a Christian for 50 years. So because of those 50 years, they are mature. Or they have been teaching Sunday school for the last decade. Because of that, they're mature. Or been involved in the church forever, they're mature. Or they're a founding member of this church, they're mature. Or they're a church leader, so they're mature. The problem is, is some of those markers that we've created don't always equate to maturity, right? So we know people who have been a Christian for 50 years, and you begin to ask the question, okay, like, are their responses appropriate for the given situation? You look at that and say, well, not really. Or you know maybe um, church leaders who have struggled. Maybe they've been elevated to a, a status of leadership in the church, and you look at them and say, does church leadership really equate maturity? Well, not really. So what I want to do for just a few minutes here this morning is I want to talk about maturity. Here's the problem. is The problem is I really believe that we have wrong markers for maturity. And it blows my mind because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, and we'll show this morning, that the Bible tells us what maturity should look like. It gives us some examples and markers of what maturity is. And for some reason, we've kind of created our own markers. So let's look at them for a few minutes. This morning, what I want to do is I'm going to look at three different markers of maturity from what the Bible shows us. Here's the first one. I think it got cut off there. So um, the first marker of maturity is knowing God in a deep and intimate way. The first marker the Bible tells us is knowing God in a deep and intimate way. Now, here's a reminder for you. If you're ever reading your Bible and it repeats something, it's not an accident. So, In this passage, there is a descriptor. Of what it means to be a father and a mother in the faith. And if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2, here's what it says. Write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And so this is the descriptor of uh, father and mother in the faith is that there is a knowing of who God is. Now, here's the problem the problem is. Is that um, this idea of know isn't translated to the depth that it needs to. So in English, um, I can know tacos, and I can know my wife, and those two knowings are very different things, right? Like, I, I, in fact, I was on a date this last week with my wife, and 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 I love the opportunities. We're sitting there and we're talking. Um, diving into what's going on in her life, things that she's feeling, what she's excited about, like those conversations. That's the depth of knowing that this passage is talking about. Here's another one. In John chapter 17, there's a prayer. And here's what uh, Jesus says in this prayer in John chapter 17. He says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life that they know you. That there is a depth and an understanding that they would intimately know who you are. In fact, if you go and read the rest of this chapter, this prayer of Jesus, he continues to pray this, that we would be invited into the love relationship between uh, Jesus and God in the same depth and knowledge of knowing knowing each other, that we would be invited into that relationship. That is the know that John is talking about here in 1 John chapter 2. That we would know God in a deep and intimate way. So the first marker the Bible tells us is that we would know God in a deep and intimate way. Here's the second marker. The second marker is the fruit in our lives. So as we begin uh, to live that there will be external signs to who we are connected with. A marker of our lives will be the fruit of our hearts. As the author of James says, you say you have faith, but I will show you my faith by what I do. See, here's, here's what I want you to hear this morning, is when number one happens... Right when there is a true knowing, a true intimacy between us and between God, now listen to this, there will always be spiritual fruit. When you are truly connected to God, there will always be spiritual fruit. In fact, here's what John chapter 15 says as we're talking about this connection between us and between God. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, uh, it bears much fruit. For apart from me, I can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and branches are gathered and thrown in the fire. And so he's saying, as you are connected to the Father, the result of that connection will be that you bear much fruit. In fact, here's what Matthew chapter 7 says as Jesus is um, encouraging his disciples to be cautious for false teachers and prophets. He says, Watch out for false prophets, for they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Them, So as we are connected in relationship to God, there will be fruit that will be evident in our lives that will point who we are connected to. As we begin to live and move and breathe and function in our lives, that will result and point back to who we are connected to. I think about um, this statement, I was thinking about the statement that the fruit of our lives always will outweigh our words. The fruit of our lives will always outweigh our words. I remember, so I graduated um, from uh, Crosby as a senior and right after that ended up going to Poland for the summer to do an internship with a missions organization uh, to work youth ministry for the entire summer. And uh, I remember just an incredible summer, but I remember coming back, and like a day or two into um, me coming back, I, I was talking to my dad, and he said, hey, uh, I forgot to tell you, um, there's a new guy who's been coming to our church who's going to play on the basketball team with you at CLC. And I'm like, yeah, he's been coming all summer, and I've gotten to know him, and so I'm really excited for you to meet him. And I'm like, that's great. And I remember a couple weeks later, my dad's like, hey, c- come here, I, I want to introduce you. And so I walk up. And he says, hey, my name is Willie, and I'm the starting point guard for CLC. I'm like, oh, okay. So, okay, nice to meet you, Willie, the starting point guard for CLC. So, shook his hand got to know him. Um, There was something that was very interesting that happened in the coming weeks as practice began to progress. I'm stepping back, and I'm saying, really? You're the starting point guard for CLC? Because I'm pretty sure that those two point guards right there who are schooling you in the basketball court, they're going to be playing before you. And so he could talk about what he was, but there was like fruit that demonstrated what was true about who he was. The truth is, is that in our lives, the fruit of our lives will always outweigh our words. So we can say we're a Christian. We can say we're a leader. We can say we're a founding member of our church. We can say that we taught Sunday school. We can say all the credentials we have. But the truth is, is the fruit of our lives will always outweigh our words. Because when we are connected to the Father in a deep and intimate way, there will always be fruit. First first marker is a deep and intimate connection with God. The second one, Is that there are spiritual fruit. The third marker that we see in Scripture is spiritual children. That they're spiritual children. That we would have people that we have influenced. And poured into that we can point and say, that is my spiritual child. In fact, this whole progression in First John is very important because what they're beginning to describe in this passage is a spiritual father and a spiritual mother of the faith. I want to read to you uh, another passage in First Thessalonians chapter 2, um, where Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica. Here's what he says. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For we know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. One of the things that the scripture talks about is that there is a... Um, spiritual fathering and mothering that we are called to be as we invest our lives into other people. This term of being spiritual parents is bigger than we know. In fact, it's at the very foundation of the last command that Jesus gives. You remember that one? Where he, the resurrection happens, he's on a mountain with his disciples and said, here's the deal. The things that I've poured into you are going to move out into this world, are going to affect the entire world, the entire civilization. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Even the words of Jesus was saying it's not intended to stay here. It's not intended for here to to stay in you, but it's going to move out through you into other generations and generations beyond that and generations beyond that as you go and make disciples. The gospel is always meant to move forward. It's supposed to move from one person to the next person to the next person. I think about the spiritual parents in my life. Now, I realize that I have a tremendous advantage over some people because my physical parents are actually some of the people that I would identify as my spiritual parents who have poured into me. But I also think about different um, people in my life who played significant roles of giving into me, people who have invested in me time and energy and creativity and resources In fact, I told you that I went to Poland, one of those guys is Dan Hash, and he was a a missionary who continues, still to invest in me. And I had a conversation with Dan just like three or four months ago where he's one of those guys, you ever have one of those people that just jump right into the deep end of the pool, right? It's no chit-chat at all. He's like, how's your marriage? Well, I'm like, whoa, we're going there. Okay, here we go. You know, like right away, like we just jump into the deep end into huge conversations right away. And he is one of those people for me. In fact, I I did some really stupid things as an 18-year-old. In fact, I remember one of the things that I did is I cut my internship a week and a half short so I could go back and be with my girlfriend, right? So I maneuver and I get back and, you know, whatever, and he's just kind of shaking his head like, ah. You know, and and so, and and I remember the conversations, like a couple years later, I'm like, ah, I was an idiot. And he's like, yeah, you're an idiot. You know, like you did dumb stuff. And he loved me through that. He helped me process through that. He helped me in my spiritual maturity to grow as a man of God who is mature. And for some of you in this room, you have some of those people. But the realization is, is that as believers, that's where we're called to go. We're not called to go to just be children or young men and women, but to be people who are spiritual parents. I I jotted down just a few observations about being spiritual parents. Some of these will be kind of no-duh things, but here's the first one, is uh, to be a parent, you have to have kids. To be a spiritual parent means that you have to have kids. Are there people that you're intentionally investing in? Are there people that you have identified and said, I am going to... Give my life and invest in you. Here's the second one. Think about spiritual parenting. Um, as a spiritual parent, you will love regardless of response. You'll love regardless of response. And some of you who are physical parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? No? I, I do. Okay, so, so like you give and you give and you love and you love and you love. And, and do you always get the response back? Do you always get the response back as a parent? No, you don't. But as a more mature person and a person who loves that other person, you are willing to give of yourself unconditionally. Here's the third one, and it ties into that, is, is that it's endless giving. right? Being a spiritual parent is endless giving. It's giving and giving and giving. The fourth one is that being a spiritual parent involves proactive initiation proactive initiation here's the thing about the bible and what it talks about it's always the responsibility of the more mature to pursue the less mature so i'll give you a hint you want to know if you're a spiritual parent sitting here if you're sitting here and your response is why don't they why don't they pursue me why doesn't this person come after me why don't they call me why don't they text me you're probably not a spiritual parent like in that relationship you are called to endlessly pursue, to call, to text, to pursue, to go after, to 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 engage, to, to 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 call them to more. As a spiritual parent, there is initiation, proactive initiation, and here's the last one: is that as a spiritual parent, it'll cost you your life and your comfort. It'll cost you your life and your comfort. One of the best uh, examples of this, so. Um, I've been on the, the Northwest over the last several years. And one of the, the people I've connected with is in the Seattle area. And uh, their name, uh, names are Jeff and Karen Wall. And uh, in fact, they were kind of similar to my parents' age and got connected into ministry together. And so I've reconnected. I still remember the first time. So I went to go reconnect with Jeff. Hey, I'm in town. I'd love to reconnect with you, share about what's going on in ministry, sat down with him. I remember walking up to Karen, his wife, and here's what she says to me. You always have a place to stay here now. This is your new home base whenever you're in Seattle. So you make sure you call me. And so I'm like, okay, sure, totally will. And so I began to do that. So every time I went to Seattle, I would stay with them. And I watched something in amazement of two people that have opened up their lives and given to more people than I could possibly count. I mean, when I would go and stay with them, it'd be like, hey, so uh, we hosted somebody's in our church wedding in our backyard, and so can you help me clean up on Saturday? And I'm like, sure, that would be great. Or I'm going to the neighbors down here. These, these people are coming over for dinner. I'm doing marriage counseling with these people. Or I'm going and discipling my DNA group over here. And so they're doing all this, these things in relationship, and I'm just blown away by the investment and the giving that they, that they showed me. And they are a picture for me of people who have sacrificed everything they have because they believe that they are spiritual parents. They believe that they are called to give their lives and invest in other people for it to move forward. So here's the question for us here this morning. I want to do one on an individual level and then one collectively as you guys as a church. Is on an individual level, here's my prayer for you is my prayer is in this series at some point, and maybe this has happened already, and maybe it's going to happen in the future weeks as we begin to unpack some of uh, first John chapter 2, is my prayer for you is that you would take an accurate inventory of where you really are. Because here's the thing. We can't grow and progress until we identify where we're really at. You ever seen that in Somebody? who thinks they're someplace else or assumes certain things, and until they come to grips with who they are and and the reality of the issues in their life that they're never going to grow beyond that, that's the same for us. Until you can step back and say, okay, when I look at the progression of child, young man, young woman, father and mother in the faith, where am I? What types of identifiers are in my life that would say that's where I am? Because if you can articulate and, uh, and correctly identify where you're at, then you begin to grow and move forward. And that's my prayer for us, is that as we begin to do that, that we can take an inventory, and then as we begin to identify where we're at, that we begin to step forward. And here's the second thing. As I was beginning to pray for you guys this morning, Um, My prayer is, is what would happen if God shifted you into a new gear of this as a church? Here's what I believe, right? My dad and I were having this conversation on Monday afternoon, is I really believe that in the church that we have um, a lot of children in faith, And we have a lot of young men and young women in faith. And what the church has done is it celebrated those young young men and young women as the end, right? Yeah, woo! They made it. They can overcome evil. They, they know who God is. They know what the gospel is. Yeah, they, they made it. But what we've never done is we haven't called, as, as an American evangelical church, I see this all over the country, we haven't called people to the next level of saying, okay, what would it look like for you to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother into the life of somebody else? What would it look like if God were to call you in your connection and fruit to, to pour your life into somebody else for being a spiritual father and spiritual mother? See, I believe if the overall church were to get a hold of some of these things and we began to produce in the church spiritual fathers and mothers in a greater capacity, that the gospel would have more impact than it's than than in 50, 100, 200 years. That, that we would see things, a movement that would happen that would affect our schools and our workplaces and our homes and our neighborhoods, all over as we come into contact. And that's my prayer for you guys as a church. That maybe God is calling you to a new gear, right? A new level of saying, man, as a church, we're going to commit to becoming those spiritual fathers and mothers as we pour our lives into other people around us. And we're going to continue to raise those people up as a church as we have an effect on the community around us. So my prayer for you individually is that you have an inventory over the next several weeks before the end. Maybe maybe we can like all put our hands in the middle and say, okay, ready? One, two, three, break. Here we go. That before the end of the series that you're going to take some time and just kind of step back. And here's a great, ask your spouse Ask a friend to help you do like a spiritual inventory of what do you see in my life? Do you see fruit? Do you see maturity? Do you see a connection? Do you see spiritual fathering and mothering? Am I, am I a young man or young woman? Am I a child in some areas? Allow them to even speak to have that moment of saying, this is where I am so God can begin to stir in my life and move me forward. And the second thing is, is maybe God is calling this church to a new level of engagement and becoming spiritual, more spiritual fathers and mothers and to raise those up and to pour your lives into other people. The people would come and know the goodness. Because that's what it really is, right? As a spiritual father and mother, it's just like, man, it is so good. I just want you to experience it. Like, it's amazing the relationship. It's amazing to be. I was talking to a couple people who were saying, yeah, there's a giving component where you give your, your life and your, you have the call, but there's kind of like this, man, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing because of this. That this church would be about raising even the bar higher in that. That's my prayer for you, my prayer for you guys as collectively as a church. I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then Steve's going to come up, and uh, we're going to end with communion together. So, God, just thank you this morning. Thank you for what you are calling um, us to. Thank you for what you are doing in this church and maybe even what you want to do. God, in the lives individually as we begin to take inventory in our own lives and begin to identify where we're at and move forward, God, as we begin to maybe get into a new level of investing and pouring our lives collectively as a church. Thank you for this morning, the words you have for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.